What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight. We are coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. Uh, and what better way to do that than by the power of real conversation in a virtual way, Mark Francis. Uh, I'm Caleb Pearson joining with uh, joining me this morning, uh, as I mentioned. Mark, Francis. Up? Mark, how you doing, man? You threw my name out there really early. You I know, did. that's... that's... I went back thinking about me? I went know? back. <laughs> you're always on my heart and mind. No, I went back last <laughs> week, and you immediately trashed me right away. You were like, see, you did it again, Caleb. This is a real yep, conversation. Okay. And yeah. then it was that oh, old thing. So, okay. I wanted, to come to, today. I wanted to come That's to Alicia good. first, but you know what? You're, just, you're always right there. So, <laughs> Joining us again, uh, the lovely Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Awesome. Thank you. Good to see yeah. you. Good to be back. Uh, and then joining us once again, Senior Pastor Mark Carey, coming to us from the hills of Nebraska, it seems. Mark, how you doing? Good. Good, good. Good to see you guys. Uh, middle of May, you know what I mean? We have, uh, I think, optimism on, on the horizon. I think people are excited. Look, the, azaleas yeah. are, the azaleas are blooming. That is so good. Oh, the, the, yes. the spiritual significance there, I can feel yes. it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I, I, I had a community group last night. I know you guys did Monday and people are excited after that letter everybody got from the elders just talking about, you know, hopefully working towards regathering. Um, yeah. That's going to be super exciting. So uh, Alicia, Mark, I mean, what, what, what has the vibe been like for you guys and your community group about that? Yeah, they had lots of questions. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you make, for, you know, when the governor makes an announcement and says that you know, there can be potentially 50% capacity um, for church gatherings. That's, that seems interesting and exciting. So there's lots of questions being thrown out there. And, and hopefully this week, Mark, um, not, my, not me, but Mark Carey is going to do a quick little recording and an update that we will share with the congregation in our online service. So kind of wet your appetite for that. Yeah, so wet your appetites because we will this week is gonna okay. be a lot of the planning, a lot of the preparation. So without really kind of diving in too much of the details yet, because it's still a little unclear, we have some good ideas. Right. But just trust us when we say tons of prayer, tons of preparation, tons of thought, tons of research is going into this to make okay. sure that it's done safely, healthy. And uh, and allows us to meet as a congregation. So, awesome. Be ready for it. Yeah. Good. Good. That's super good to hear. Um, well, why don't we go ahead and jump into a little bit of a, a Sunday in review? Uh, I'm, I'm glad we were able to mention that briefly. I know a lot of our listeners are curious and interested about that, and, and from what I can tell, all excited. But uh, continuing on with Romans five, um, Alicia, I'll come your way first as far as what Mark uh, talked about this past Sunday. What are what are some of your thoughts? Um, he, you, Mark, you did another great job. This is a really, really, really difficult passage. And I thought that you did a really remarkable job pulling it apart and uh, really digging in. Um, I think that beginning at verse 12, uh, the word therefore, obviously Paul, he has just in the previous passages shown us how Christ's death brings this peace with God through reconciliation. And now for the passage for 12 through 21, he's sketching how Christ restores what was lost when Adam sinned. And so the title of the sermon was from, from the cure, curse to the cure. Um, and obviously the curse was 
and is our link to Adam. And Adam opened the door, sin entered in, and that sin has been imputed to us. Uh, it's charged to our account um, for every person after Adam. Um, and then another point you made, the second half of that is the cure, which is our link to Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, Adam was a type or a pattern, of a model of Jesus, but Ad Adam's sin was placed to our account. Jesus's righteousness is now placed to our account, and we're either linked to Adam or we're linked to Jesus Christ. And in Adam, our identity was through physical birth. And then you showed us in Christ, our identity is through spiritual birth. And so to sum all that up, the only hope for sinners is the second Adam whose blood covers us. And uh, Jesus's righteousness has been imputed to us. And it's not by our works, uh, but is alone. Really there you good. go. We can go home now, right? Like that's... <laughs> That's the summary. <laughs> yeah, thanks, everybody. Uh, remember, you can find us on YouTube. No. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, that's so good. And, and Mark, I like the, I mean, that graphic, uh, you know, in Adam versus in Christ, I mean, that, that is something that, that the pastoral staff has even used with me several times over the last couple of years to disciple me through understanding the, my nature, um, the thought patterns that many Christians have. And, and so, Pastor Mark, what, what has that been like for you? Because the, the sermon I felt like was so... Uh, akin to the the growing and mature Christians still understanding who they fully are in Christ. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can see that graphic, yeah. but um, yeah. it's too. You know, Paul is really trying to uh, make this uh, important point, and it's a transitional point between what he has been saying up through chapter four and what he's going to be saying in six, seven, and eight. Mm. Um, and so, chapter five is this transition that we are there's two realms that we are that we find ourselves in every everybody finds themselves in uh, we start in adam everybody is born um, in adam that means we're identified his sin is imputed to us we are we are sinners by birth um, the moment of faith when we trust christ uh, we are placed in christ and it's a totally different realm um, uh, you know we start here in adam and by faith in Christ, uh, we get moved here. And it, it the two realms are totally different. They are, um, uh, they, they, they can't be more different. Um, so um, the, 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 the point Paul is trying to make here as he transitions into chapter six, seven, and eight is to explain that difference between those two realms. Uh, and we've got to get our minds around it. We have to understand that in some form or fashion. Of course, only the Holy Spirit can reveal that to us uh, right. in, the long, uh, in the long and short of it. And, and by the way, um, uh, you, you, you don't have to, each time we meet with the sermon spotlight, to say that that was a really good sermon. Because there are times that might not be, and be, you have to be honest. Uh, I struggle. I, I, struggle. I am being honest. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, I don't think it was the best sermon, to be honest with you, but uh, because I think, man, I, I, I think there's so much more here to unpack hmm. and to put into practical, applicational terms that I don't, I don't feel like 
we got to. Um, but again, the Holy Spirit will reveal that to us. But um, um, I mean, I can unpack a few more things if you want me to. Uh, uh, yeah, help us understand kind of because it almost looked like that you're really trying to wrap up Romans 5 and get to the end of that chapter. I mean, were there things that were like, what was the key thing that was maybe left out? Because I think the the overall big picture theme is what you just shared, you know, being in Adam or being in Christ. And that's kind of a, a takeaway that if you've been around FBC for long enough time, you've heard that just as Caleb, you mentioned. Yeah. So like, what, what are some deeper truths that we can use to apply to our lives? Yeah, let me, um, um, let me see here. Uh, let me see if I can put this other. Is, that, is anybody else's video lagging a little bit or is that just me? Mine is, I, well, I, you guys, Mark, Marky and Mark are both kind of a little laggy. Oh, really? <laughs> it's the Mark. Yeah, just, just the video. It's equally the both video of their fault. Well, well the see, now you're fine. frozen up too. So yeah, it's, uh, it's just one of those days. That's okay. <laughs> now, can you see that screen? Yes, Romans yes. 515. Yep. Yeah, for all those but, with the visual, but for all the audio podcasters out there, no, they can't. Yeah, yeah okay. sorry for the audio. Yeah, uh, to the YouTube. Driving, uh, yeah, there you go. Driving to work and stuff, you might not be able to see that. So let me try to explain it real quick. I think that a couple things I want to really wanted to highlight. Obviously, 12, 13, 14, we're in Adam, all that, as through mm -hmm. one man, sin entered the world, death through sin, death spread to all. Okay, he's setting up this contrast, starting in verse 15. So you got, you know, uh, but, so he's making a big contrast. The free gift is not like the transgression. He's going to transition us to think about um, the, the free gift um, that comes through Jesus Christ. And I want to emphasize that the contrast is set up where he says in verse 16, uh, from one transgression, uh, on the one hand, judgment arose from the one transgression resulting in condemnation. And I, 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 in doing a little work on, on that word, that word, as I understand it, emphasizes the sentence, the resulting sentence that every man is assigned to, has been sentenced under. So a judgment has been pronounced, you are a sinner, and the result of that, you will now be sentenced to, and it's this word, Greek word, katakrima, condemnation is our translation, but I think it really has the idea of, of, of that you will now serve sin. Everybody born in Adam, so in that in Adam circle, everybody born in Adam is going to be um, mastered by sin. Um, it, it, is a, it is a profoundly um, s sorrowful sentence. Sin will master you. No matter what you do, everything you do will be sin, and you're mastered by sin, and there's nothing you can do about it. You are serving sin. But on the other hand, he goes on and says, for one transgression results in, uh, he says, in justification. That word, justification, is not your typical word that is we find for that, that we typically translate justification, which is that theological term that means to be declared right, acquitted of all crime. This word, it results in justification. This word probably more literally means um, a righteous actions, righteous, a righteous action, a righteous deed. 
uh, a righteous act. In fact, if you go down to verse 18, that word is used again where it says, even so through one act of righteousness, that's the same word that's used up here in verse 16. One act of righteousness resulted in justification of life for all men. So back in verse 16, in Adam, all we can do is serve sin. We are locked in to being mastered by sin. We have no hope of anything but being mastered by sin. But there's a, as he says there, a free gift that arose. And that free gift results in righteous action. In other words, I think he's transitioning here and saying, believers in Jesus Christ can not only receive in a judicial sense um, the acquittal, uh, the, the righteousness of God that acquits us of all crimes, that declares us right, justification. But it is also a free gift that results in us living out righteous action. It, it, we, it's a transformation that takes place uh, to righteous actions. And so um, uh, the, the, the verse 18, the, the transgression that resulted in condemnation, uh, the one act of righteousness, the, the righteous deed of Jesus Christ uh, results in justification of life. And, and he's going to get down in verse 21, concluding so that as sin reigned in death, that's that condemnation. Sin reigned in death. There's nothing, all that described that circle of in Adam is death and mastered and mastery by sin. Grace, on the other hand, because of what Christ did, so grace would reign through righteousness, the living out of righteousness. Now we're talking about transformation, eternal life, and that. I, look what I get to do. I'm going to change the color. <laughs> eternal life through yeah. Jesus Christ. And it's not something, eternal life is not something we are, are just going to wait for one day and get um, mm. in heaven. It is an experience now that we can enjoy. And um, um, next, this coming weekend, Dennis McNutt is going to unpack more fully what that life of death and mastery to sin and what eternal life now what that means. Uh, and so um, th those would be things in, in this sermon that I would have, that I think needed to be highlighted more. And again, Dennis will, will unpack that a little bit more. The good news is, and this is crucial, I think, as we get into Romans 6, 7, and 8, um, the good news is, Romans chapter 6, 2 says, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? And, and meaning we are free. Right. We don't have to um, act or be or think like we once did in Adam because we're not the people we once were. And it sets a whole new perspective of freedom of living the Christian life and the potential and the power of experiencing life eternal as God designed it now. Yeah, and I love how masterful God is with the writing of the book. 
and just the language and how this is setting all setting up a continual story in this whole book of Romans. And you know, instantly when you said the word condemnation, I'm thinking Romans eight. You know, so there's therefore now no condemnation. That's and how right. just using that word right now in chapter five is setting us up to That's get right. to that point it's the in same our lives. Word. Yeah, same and, and and that is freeing to know that there is and to understand what the condemnation is. Yeah. here in this chapter to then know that there is not any condemnation down the road in chapter eight is is great so so when yeah when we get there so it, what paul i think is reiterating is our freedom being unshackled from sin from its mastery in our life uh, there is therefore now no mastery of sin we are not under the the control of sin we're free from that because of of the Christ in us and his righteousness that can be lived out in a daily basis. And I guess what I want to convey, uh, and, and wished I could have done better, uh, but we will, and we'll, we'll spend many weeks in six, seven, and eight, is this hope of, of the freedom we have because of his grace, as the, this gift of grace, of his righteousness in our life that can be worked out and lived out so that we can experience eternal life. And to me, that just gives great hope uh, uh, for every believer. Um, there is no hope for the unbeliever in Adam. Absolutely no hope. When it's, I like the way it, it speaks in such absolutes. In Adam, this is the truth. This is it. There's no, there's, no, there's no degree of it. There's no maybe you can escape it any other way, just like the absolute of who you yep. are in Christ. Uh, and I've had a, a pastor on staff kind of explain to me about, you know, you can't have two natures. The, the word, it's a paradox. The word nature, your organic essence of who you are can only be one thing. So to be in Christ, the Christian has that new nature. Is it accurate, Pastor Mark, to say that there, there's a, a remnant still of the old nature that we, we struggle oh, yeah. with? Yeah. And, and, and Paul very um, uh, powerfully, I think, explains that by his own personal example right. in Romans chapter 7, seven. when he will yeah. go and say, oh, gee, the good I want to do right i can't do and um yeah so so if we live th there is a there is the propensity of evil pulses that's still within me it's not my nature it's not my identity uh but it's there and as we'll see in romans 6 7 and 8 um this new creation this this um declared righteous new creation the inner me is encased in a body of sin. Uh, what of me is going to live on for eternity? What has been raised up and regenerated to newness of life? The inner me. What is going to die? What has to die? This mortal must put off its mortality to gain immortality. But until that takes place, there is this mysterious struggle in these two realms of the the physical my flesh my uh and how that plays in uh into the metaphysical uh in, with my spirit and um uh, yeah that that'll be we'll deal with that when we get to the again to romans 6 7 and 8. and it's so good i have it here in my bible actually from when you led me through a, a roman study in the mentorship uh, it says in Romans chapter seven, you're going to see the word I 47 times yeah. <laughs> in Romans chapter eight, you're going to see the word Holy Spirit 20 times. And, and that whole idea there of, of good thing. It's not about ultimately me and, and what my struggles are, but the Holy Spirit through me. I think that's, I think that's huge.
Yeah. But here in, uh, in chapter five, it's so black and white of being in right. Adam and being in Christ. Yeah, go ahead, Alicia. Uh, the Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10, I think does a really beautiful job paralleling this idea. Um, and just to highlight real quick from verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he may show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he's, he has prepared good works for us now hmm. and so that we should walk in them. And this salvation that we've been given is a, is a gift from him. So we can rest in that justification that we've been given and knowing that Jesus is our foundation and we can let these truths shape everything about our life and um, how we process things and our heartache and our joys and our griefs and our, you know, the pleasures of this world. Those mm -hmm. truths can shape our thinking um, and how we apply this knowledge that we've been given. Well, and it speaks to that right, idea man. of scripture and, and what Mark even just highlighted of the eternal life we can experience is now. I think there's a, it's easy to think of this enigma of, oh, like, I'm so curious as to what heaven will be like when we get up there. But the Christian's job is to, to, to demonstrate God's love for, for sinners and that while they were still sinners, Christ died for them. We're, we're called to bring heaven here and, and be a glimpse of that and embody that. So it's just so cool to think about the, the present um, and how yeah, important and, that is. and as Alicia brought on in that passage, I mean, that's what God has prepared for us, these good works that we can walk in them, that we should walk in them. Mm. We're not going to <laughs> right. if we don't appropriate the, the, the righteousness of Christ, that free gift, uh, so that the righteous acts uh, can be lived out, these good works can be lived out through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, yeah, that's... Well, and it, it's heartwarming for me to get to this point uh, of any sort of Bible study, because for years in college, I heard preach yourself the gospel every day. And I would just roll my eyes at that or, or shrug my shoulders at it. I would say, why? Why would I have to do that? Uh, am I starting over at square one? Am I backpedaling? Is that where I am now? You want me to do what you do to unbelievers the moment they come to faith? Get real. But no, it has nothing to do with check yourself in the mirror and make sure you're still saved. No, it's, it's those foundational truths. It's those identity truths. I mean, that was what was hammered into me in this mentorship program is you're going to know your identity and you're going to know where scripture proves it to you. And that is what preaching the gospel to yourself every day is. So you don't, you know, every day you wake up, you are more inclined to hear from the world. I mean, we are seeing pastors that are using the pulpit, using their live streams and actually telling people there's a very large church organization on the East Coast that is now no more news. Like our entire congregation, you're done. We, we call you to just stop watching the news. 
Um, and, I, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's where we're at, the, the world versus what we think biblically. So it's so important to, to know these words. And I, I keep getting these small little aha moments, you know, and that's one of them. What you're bringing out is that it is for the here and now, you know, and that's, that's what God's word can do. You know, you can, you can read it and it's fresh and it's new and it's real. And at least for this Roman series for me, that keeps coming out. That's what I keep hearing that the life that I'm living now can have victory. And, and I've known that, but now it just, it, right. Small little puzzle pieces are refreshed. coming together, you know, yeah. and it's great. And don't forget, you know, if you want to sometime on, uh, on your own, uh, but in chapter five, just highlight, underline every reference to through Christ, mm. through him. This is all possible through him. Uh, it's multiple, multiple times throughout that chapter. Well, yeah. in the whole, this whole section here is telling us that Jesus is better. You know, Adam, what he did was big, but what Jesus is has done, is doing, and will do is bigger, and he's better, and he's the best, and so that applies to our life right now as well, and how we deal with our sin and our fallen nature. Jesus is better, and he's proven that to us, so we can we can bank on him and who he is. Well, and I had somebody uh, appear in mind say, it's going to be a little bit awkward when we all get to see Adam in heaven, uh, and what I realized was, I don't, and biblically, I think it's sound, I don't think we will be caught up in, way to go, man, way to screw it for humanity. We'll be marveling in Christ. It, it, it will be only Christ. You, you know, I mean, I, I won't even be married to, to Hannah when I get up there. It will be Christ and Christ alone. And that is, that is so cool to think about. There will be no comparison that will either lead to pride or jealousy. And so, I, Alicia, I think you nailed it. Uh, one more thing, Mark, I want to maybe devote a few minutes toward whatever you think, but uh, you mentioned in your sermon, um, age of accountability. Um, and it was something that, you know, you, you were very clear. It's not the point of the sermon. We're not diving into that now. Uh, do you have any extra thoughts for us on, on that matter and, and what that's worth? Well, how much time do you have? I mean, right, uh, right. no, real, real quickly, a couple thoughts. One is, we, as, and I mentioned, the, the scriptures are this is not like a, a, a well-developed doctrine. There's no, it, it is a very, it is something we want to believe in many respects. Um, uh, but there is, I think, some biblical evidence to, to that end. We have to affirm that every person born in this world is, uh, you know, is born in sin. Um, um, uh, um, Psalm 58.3 says, um, every, uh, everyone, um, even even from birth, the wicked go astray, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Psalm uh, Psalm fifty eight three. So, <clears throat> um, every child born in this world is born in sin. The question is, are they accountable up until they they have been given that opportunity to trust Christ? That that mental and it's not just ch uh, children. Uh, right. What about those who um, may be intellectually challenged in right. some way? And and, sure. and and yep. so what do we do with that? So just real quickly again, um, uh, if, if I can uh, uh, yeah. get this screen share, uh, let's, let me get rid of this one here. Um, can we see that? Second uh, Samuel, yep. Yeah, so just real quick, this is the story, uh, and I alluded to this, of David, mm -hmm. he sinned with Bathsheba, a child was born, 
and but shortly after the child was born, the child died. The judgment of God. Um, Nathan the prophet came, remember? So in this passage, David is saying, but now he has died. Why should I fast? I mean, it's over. He was fasting to, so the child would live. Can I bring him back again? No. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And the indication here, and it's just one statement. It's, you know, it's not much, but it, when it says, I will go to him, uh, but he will not be able to return them. There is implied in there the idea of that this child is in um, is in heaven. I mean, um, and and so that David would would go to him one day, and uh, so his fasting was done. He was at peace with that. So that that is a, a key passage where a lot of people go to, and and say you know there's an indication here. Um, but there, let, let me real quickly, uh, here's a passage in the book of Numbers. Um, this is when the children of Israel, and this is kind of an interesting thing. I talked with Don Den Hartog about this. He's, he's, he's got, uh, he, he shared some um, very helpful things. And, and uh, so I guess what I'm saying is if you really want some more depth on this, uh, email Don on it. But um <laughs> Uh, this is a passage in Numbers 14 where the children of Israel have sinned and God has now judged them and they can't go into the promised land. Remember that? Say, as, say to them, as long as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I surely will do to you. Your Verse 29, your corpses will fall in this wilderness, even your uh, numbered men, according to your complete number from, and notice it says from 20 years old, and and upward from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me well what's the implication of that well verse 31 your children however whom you said would become prey your children i will bring them into the promised land and they will know the land which you have rejected so the judgment was everybody 20 years and old died in the wilderness for during that 40 years of wandering, everybody 20 years and older died. 19 years and under lived. So I, I would have to take it possibly that when this was pronounced at the beginning of that 40 years of wandering, 19-year-olds and under were promised to go in. So if they, if, if they lived through the wilderness wanderings, let's say a 19-year-old and 40 years later, right? So he'd be 59 years old, 59 year olds and above and, and younger were allowed to um, go into the promised land. Now, so what's the significance of that? Well, something in the mind of God said 19 years and younger, there was seemingly something like an age of, of accountability. That's reiterated here in the Deuteronomy passage. Not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land, which I swore to give to your fathers. Deuteronomy 1, 35 through 39, except Caleb and, and Joshua. We know the, those are two exceptions, Joshua and Caleb. Amen. Verse 37 says, the Lord was angry. Um, the Lord was, uh, uh, let's, let me move this up here. Well, the Lord was um, angry uh, with me also on account of you. You shall not enter. Okay, so jailer. But verse 39, moreover, your little ones who you said would become a prey, 
your sons who this day have no knowledge, notice that it says, have no knowledge of good and evil, shall enter there and I will give it to them and they shall possess it. They have no knowledge of good and evil. Now tie that back in with what he said back here in Numbers, where is your numbers 20 and above are going to be judged, but 19 and below aren't. The 19 and below seem to indicate that they were the ones that had no knowledge of good and evil and shall enter there and I will give it to them and they shall possess it. Clearly in this passage, we can say, there was, the, the 19 year olds and younger were given a pass, as it were, to enter the promised land. Now, again, Don um, can speak to this uh, more um, accurately and articulately, uh, because going into the promised land was a picture of the millennial kingdom. And there is a, um, I, I suppose you could still call it a theory, but it's based on some, some evidence, scriptural evidence, um, that children who have died or babies that have been aborted, uh, think of the mass and mass of people, that they will be resurrected and enter that millennial, that thousand-year kingdom and populate. That's who will populate the millennial kingdom and will be given a chance at that point to put their trust in Christ um, during that millennial kingdom. It's an intriguing um, theory, but it's something to consider. One other quick passage. Uh, remember when all the little babies in Jesus' birth, Herod came and killed everybody, all the little boys, you know, two years old and younger. Right. Based here on Jeremiah 31, thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. That's the verse that was quoted. Uh, in the story where the, the Herod killed the babies. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Verse 16 says, thus says the Lord, restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. Why? And Jesus is saying, stop crying. For your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord, and they will return from the land of the enemy. Who's the they? That's the, the children who have died. Verse 17 says, there is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children will return to their own territory. Now, that's mysterious. It's prophetic language. Jeremiah 31, if you go and read the, the passage more, it's, it's talking about the, the new covenant. There's, it's, all of this is filled with kingdom um, um, word, uh, verbiage, and so there's this... Um, this, this Jeremiah 31 passage talks about the, the, the children will return to their territory. Stop crying. Your work will be rewarded, and they will return. So um, uh, I, have, I have one other verse um, that I think might also bring some meaning to this. Um, in Romans 1, we went through Romans 1, and we hit verse 20. Yep. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in these things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So, but if you haven't been born or as a child and you have not seen, then 
or if you have a mental you know disability or whatever and you don't have that capacity then paul seems to be suggesting here that well then they actually have an excuse because they haven't seen um in that way well and there's a there's a myriad of things where we aren't given all the answers and so for our listeners, for our viewers, there's, there's an element of uncertainty. You know, this doctrine is very much a, a gut feeling based on the hints of scripture. That uncertainty, the Bible's very, very clear, should steer us towards urgency for yeah. spreading the word, spreading and the gospel. That was the point, as I tried to brought up, the, is, yeah. uh, you know, Mother's Day and Parent, as parents, yeah. as grandparents, we pray for our children. Uh, the little ones just don't, don't assume that because right. they're in raised in your family and you're going to church uh, right. as a person once told me uh you know being born as a in the church in a christian family makes you no more a christians than being born in an oven makes you a pie mm-hmm. uh, or being born in a garage makes you a car right. i mean there's got to be personal faith well and, the and that's thing- where i appreciated also the the video that mike lukens did yeah because he was encouraging us as a congregation, A, to, to meet and to gather, but also as Mother's Day to, to continue to train our, um, our families and our children. And he quoted, I think, yeah. Psalm 145 and maybe even Psalm 78, I think, in that. But that, that's, that's our call. You know, so that we want to share with the next generation to come the praiseworthy deeds right. of the Lord. And, yeah. and that's, you know, that's, that's encouraging to, to know that, okay, God is a loving and gracious God. And yes, he's full of mercy and full of grace and kindness, but yet we still have that call to, to raise our children in understanding of who God is. Well, and, and do so intentionally and without excuse. I mean, the only thing these kids are getting, could get grandfathered into is the sin of their grandfather. There is no, oh, you, you know, you're safe until you're 19 or 20. This is where we're at. And that, that idea of urgency, I mean, I'll be, I'll be, teaching to the youth kids tonight. And if you look at Paul's last words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, he says, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Preach the word. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our battlefield. We're already here. Uh, and, and so that's, that's very heartwarming and exciting, I think, to a certain extent. And that's why it's so, again, incumbent upon parents mm-hmm. to be diligent. Do not put... Don't grow weary in well doing. Yes, yes, <laughs> and, and 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 don't and and don't grow weary in the things that don't eternally matter. I mean, right. I, it's wonderful right. that right. you know you, you want your kids to go to a good college and they've got to be in all these activities and blah 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 and and okay, fine. But God help us if that's a higher priority right. than putting the spiritual emphasis and raising our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. First uh, Corinthians 7, another quick passage, but it popped into my head about that, verse 14. The, the role of a believer in the home, it says it sanctifies, it sets that those unbelievers, even those children are, are set apart as, as in a unique way when there is the, the spiritual life, the eternal life in the life of a believer in that home um, has profound impact. And so um, don't get discouraged, a believer in an unbelieving home. I, I know it can be extremely difficult, and you're trying to maybe raise those kids without a believing spouse, or maybe you're alone doing it. Um, uh, take heart, because 
there is a spiritual world out there and you are a spiritual entity and you have been raised up to newness of life in Christ. You are in Christ. And, and the reign, as Paul says in Romans 5, the reign of life is happening in your home. So take heart, take courage, and run the race with endurance, fixing your eyes and, on Jesus. And full circle, I think the reason why we, you brought up age of accountability is because really, you've said this before, you know, I don't think you said this in the sermon, but there's really two kinds of people in the world today, right? People who are in Adam or in Christ, uh, who are going to heaven or going to hell. And, and so we, there, there's that, that call and that desire that we, we want to share Christ with people so we can get them out of that Adam circle and into the, to man. the Christ circle. Yeah. And it starts with our families. It starts with our kids. Yep. And, and we don't want to rest on our laurels just to say, oh, you know, kids are going to heaven. But we, we understand God's grace and mercy in that. But we want to have that call to share the gospel to everybody. Yep. Get them out of that atom bubble yep. and, and talk and share the good news to, to show them Christ. Hmm. Through Christ. Through Christ. Hey, just an FYI yeah. um, to everybody, um, as we plan now to regather and begin that process. Uh, I'm thinking, I, I may suspend for an, a few weeks at least our study of Romans. It's a great breaking point here between five and six. I, I, so, um, and, and do a few things of, of uh, you know, the value of the body of Christ uh, and just remind ourselves of some things. Um, so, Cool. We'll see what that looks like in the in the weeks to come. It'll be a little different. Oh, the That's anticipation to get oh, to chapter yeah, six. Easter the anticipation. Egg, a little yeah, I mean, spotlight like, Easter eggs. Oh, it's, it's it's like the guy who who prayed and prayed, Lord, give me a message, you know, and uh, and you know Saturday night, Lord, give me a message. I got to share this message, and he didn't know what. He gets up on Sunday morning, Lord, I need this now. He walks into the pulpit, give me a message, Lord, and all of a sudden he heard almost audibly the voice of the Lord saying. You should have studied, Mark. <laughs> That's the message. But uh, <laughs> That's so I, good. We're, we're going to study and we're going to figure out uh, here, but it would probably be a little different in the next few weeks. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank cool. you guys so much for being on. I know we unpacked a lot. And again, to our listeners, just a reminder, you can find the, the audio form, take us with you on the go, or the video form is on YouTube. And feel free to visit fbcva.life slash sermon spotlight there. You can actually reach out to us. Uh, drop a comment or a question. I love hearing from you guys. Uh, thank you so much for, for being with us. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless. Mm -hmm.